guys and gals out there in the hinterlands. It's rock rolling solo for this extra episode while my partner in crime, Max, is out doing his thing in the wide world. If you were with us last season, you know the drill as far as rocks tells. While Max is away marathoning or traveling or playing D&D without inviting me, I'd like to get down and share a few tales of homegrown terror. I grew up in South Texas in a house and honestly a neighborhood that had a penchant for odd things happening like dogs howling when the sun went down, and on some nights just an aura of wrongness, of fear. Now throw in the fact that a very large, very old, and very spooky cemetery was literally right across the street from the house I grew up in. Well, y'all, let's just say the supernatural realm felt like it was never very far away. And like I've said before, this is nothing near like a Castle Glamis or the ancient Ram Inn level of haunting, but some frightening and inexplicable things did go down. Alright y'all, so let's jump straight in, shall we? This first tale involves the massive cemetery that, again, like I just mentioned, is right across the street from the house I grew up in. And the first story involves my two older brothers and an older cousin. We'll call this story The Grave Digger. This went down in the mid-70s, along Brazos Street and Evergreen Cemetery in Victoria, Texas. My two older brothers, along with our cousin, were out exploring the creeks that ran behind our house near Riverside Park. Now, as I've said before, Evergreen Cemetery during the day was this lush, green, peaceful place of eternal rest for the folks buried there. It was well manicured, songbirds in the trees and benches and shades scattered around so visitors could rest while paying respects to their loved ones. Heck, our abuela used to take walks through there every morning with us when we were kids. But at night, at night, the complexion changed, y'all. It was like a team of Hollywood special effects artists came out and dressed the cemetery up for a horror flick. Hell, at night, you were waiting for zombies to pop out the ground or for lechuzas to come storming out the trees. Picture this, full moon, a low fog on the ground, the headstones peeking out from the fog like skeletal fingers, random animal sounds that you sure as hell didn't hear during the day suddenly coming alive. Believe me, you could scare the hell out of yourself if you had an active imagination, which I did. And then, of course, there were nights when you didn't need any imagination at all. Sometimes you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So as I said earlier, my two older brothers and cousins were out of the creek that ran across the backside of the cemetery. You know the drill, doing the stuff that kids did back before we had handheld computers that made calls and absorbed all of our attention. They caught crawdads, maybe sprayed a little graffiti under the small bridge, talked about girls, and just engaged in random 1970s shenanigans. And it got dark on them. And I tell you what, my mom and my aunt did not play back then. You could be outside all damn day, but you best be home before dark to sit down for dinner. So, they had a choice to make. Take the long way around the creek, hit the road and walk back to the Brazos house, or, or cut through the cemetery and shave a good amount of time off their trip. 
Now the moon was full and they decided they could see well enough to go through the graveyard. And so they went. As they hopped the fence into Evergreen, they noticed how quiet it was. And of course, the fog was there, low along the ground, making it treacherous to walk. So they took it slow until they got to the main road that ran through the middle of the cemetery. And then they started jogging up eventually, making a right along a small path that would take them to my aunt and uncle's back fence, which they would then hop, and that would be that. No harm, no foul. Only as they were kind of laughing and making their way to the fence, hoping mom and my aunt wouldn't be too pissed since night had already fallen, they noticed a lone figure digging a grave right by the fence, a huge pile of dirt right next to him. They stopped. Who the hell was this guy? He was big, and he was not the normal caretaker who was a thin older guy. And why was he digging a grave after dark? That was usually done during the early morning. Well, they looked at each other, my brothers, my cousin, and they felt their fear rising. But to get to my aunt's back fence, they had to pass this guy. And then they heard my mom yelling their names from just across the street. And they knew they were in trouble, and they had to go past this grave digger. So they began walking, keeping the back fence in their sights. And as they got closer to this figure, this stench just hits them like something had died and was rotting nearby. And so they bolt. They begin running, and as they get close, this grave digger turns around, shovel in hand, and in the bright moonlight, they can see that his face is monstrous. It's red, and his eyes are yellow, and he just roars at them, raising his shovel like he's going to strike them. Well, I don't need to tell you they hit that fence like Olympic hurdlers screaming for their moms and they come running home and neither my mom nor my aunt want to hear their excuses for being late for dinner. Sit down, quit your crying and eat. So they did. You ain't trying to mess with mom when the food is ready. But the next day, gang, they go to my aunt's back fence. You know, the fence that backs up to the cemetery. And yeah, you guessed it. Was it no fresh grave dug, no dirt, No shovel, no nothing, just fresh green grass. They never saw the red man again, as they called him. And they also never took their asses through the shortcut to Evergreen Cemetery again after that either. Lesson learned. All right, everybody, so... That was messed up, but kind of par for the course back in my old hood back in the day. Like I said, man, some magical, mystical, mysterious shenanigans was going on. And in some cases, it was pretty dark stuff. I felt it as a youngster, and I wasn't the only one. In our next story, we're staying around Brazos Street. I'll call this story La Mana del Bebe. And I'll just hit you with this beforehand. The story's a bit graphic and more than a little bit disturbing. You have been warned. All right, gang. So like I said earlier, we're staying on Brazos and about the same time period, that magical time in the early to mid 1970s, when it was akin to being grounded if you were stuck at home when the sun was shining. So on this day, my sister was outside with my older brothers, my older sisters, This time I was a baby and that would make her around 10 when this went down. 
So let's set the scene, y'all. Late afternoon, sun is going down, and all of my older siblings are down by the creek that runs by our house. Y'all remember the creek I was talking about in the previous story, right? Well, this is the same damn creek. I guess you could say it was a hub of social activity back then. Again, you had no phone, so you had to make your own fun. And that includes splashing around and acting the fool. So according to family lore, this is what went down. Everyone was playing tag on that day by the creek. I mean, yelling, screaming, splashing around, running around like idiots. And so my sister was it. So she's trying to catch everyone, trying to tag someone. She notices something in the shallow, clear water of the creek. And she can't believe what she's seeing. In fact, according to her young mind, it had to be fake. It had to be a toy. What she saw was a baby's hand. My sister was right around 10, and she was no psycho that likes to play with body parts. And as she told me, she thought it was a doll's hand that had broken off. It looked just like one. So there was this kind of fork-shaped branch that she picked up and scooped the baby's hand out of the water with. And so she started running after all my other siblings with it, who freaked the hell out, ran away from her. And you know, why wouldn't they? It's not like it's normal. So kids all make a beeline for our house with my sister chasing them with what she thought was a doll's hand. Well, they get to the house, they tell my mom, who in turn freaks the hell out and tells them to take that thing back to where they found it. So no one wants to go back to the creek with my sister. And hey, this was the 70s, so I guess it was acceptable for a 10-year-old kid to walk a mile from home in the evening without any supervision to an abandoned creek to return a severed hand. Yeah, it's messed up. So she ran back, left it there, and hauled ass back home. Now, end of story, right? Wrong. For weeks afterwards, she had nightmares about the hand, about dark figures in her room. She dreamed the hand was crawling towards her. Just dreams that were going to make a 10-year-old wake up screaming. She was having a rough time of it, and so mom knew she had to act. So she gathered my sister up, and hauled her ass over to a local curandera, and she got it handled. And we've mentioned curanderas in the past on our podcast before, and for those not in the know, they are basically white witches, healers. So this old woman performed some cleansing rituals, probably some limpias, prayed over her, and she took care of business. The dreams faded, and things went back to normal for my family on Brazos Street. Well, as normal as they could be back then. Dogs howling, lechuzas whistling at night, ghostly steps on your roof. Yeah, y'all, it was par for the course back in the supernatural 70s. Well, gang, that's going to do it for this edition of Rock's Tales. And as always, we really can't thank you enough for listening. It really does help keep the lights on here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And please spread the Nightmares and Daydreams love as much as you can. Help us get out there to like-minded people who you think might like our podcast. Like, subscribe, share, grant us the boon of that five-star review, all that. The music is by the best bard in the business, 
the great and powerful Teresa Joy. Find and follow her at Viobrite. That's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E on Facebook and the Gram. And head on over to her website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. You love violin? You'll love her stuff. And like we say, hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And come by our own damn website at NightmaresPodcast.net and holler at you, boys. You know we love to hear from you. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.